Okay, so on the show today, I want to start out with a thought experiment. Wherever you are, I want you to get comfortable and close your eyes. Uh, unless you're driving. But everyone else, get comfortable and close your eyes. Is everyone comfy? Good. Now, when I say the word counterculture, what comes to mind? Now, if you're like me, it's dirty hippies sitting in the park in the Haight-Ashbury district of San Francisco. The smell of weed wafting through the air as Grateful Dead music rings out. And the lead hippie talks about reaching a higher ethereal plane, man. Well, we're not going to talk about that today. But we are going to talk about the term counterculture. Because I think we as fundamentalists and traditional Mormons, we better start taking that, that term a little more seriously. Let me explain to you what the dictionary classifies as a counterculture. Quote, a way of life and a set of attitudes opposed to or at variance with the prevailing social norm. So if you read that and you're like me, you're probably thinking, wow, maybe we as traditional and fundamentalist Mormons are a counterculture. Well, before you get freaked out, let me tell you the good news. We aren't the first, and we might actually be in really good company. Excepting, of course, the, the drug culture of the 60s. If you take a look at first century Christians, the founding fathers of the United States, and even 19th century Mormons, these are all examples of counterculture. Somewhere along the line, a lot of Mormons decided they just wanted to be like everyone else. Today, however, we're in a place that as Mormons, we need to re-embrace this idea of being and actually start taking actions to strengthen a gospel-centered counterculture. But to do that, we'll need some tools. Today I have on the podcast Ben Schaefer to have a conversation about an alternative currency that might be an important tool to help us reach that goal. It can help strengthen not only each other, but also local supply chains and small independent business. And who knows, it may even help us establish the counterculture of Zion. And that's next on this episode of the Mormon Renegade Podcast. So I just want to take a moment to thank you, the listener. When I started this podcast, I wasn't sure if anyone would really listen. Now, to my surprise, this thing has taken on a life of its own. And that's all due to you, the listener, spending your time here with me, and it means a great deal to me. Now, as a husband and father, I'm keenly aware of how important time is. It feels like there's just never enough of it. So when you are spending your time here listening to this podcast, I feel a responsibility to never waste your time. In that spirit, as this podcast has grown, I feel like I need to do you, the listener, justice. I want to continue to produce good content and upgrade the audio quality. That takes better equipment and better software, and that all takes money. Now, I've tried to advertise, but you'd be surprised. There's not a lot of people wanting to advertise on a Mormon fundamentalist podcast. I know, surprising, right? Now, if you want to help support the podcast, you can do that one of two ways. The first is go over to mormonrenegade.com and hit the Donate tab. There you can make a one-time donation or you can go ahead and set it up to be a monthly recurring donation. Your choice entirely. Now, option number two, because I'm a capitalist, if you want to head on over to mormonrenegade.com, click on the store button, you're going to find that we've got some new swag out. We got some t-shirts, we have a tote, we have cell phone cases, water bottles, coffee cups, we got a bunch of stuff and more is going to be on the way. So, if you feel like that's something you could do, again, head on over to Mormon Renegade and check all that stuff out. If you're not in that position to do so, I completely understand. We're all squeezed right now with high gas prices and high inflation. So, even if you can't, please keep listening and maybe keep the podcast in your prayers so we can continue to grow, produce good content, 
and better audio quality. Thank you. Listening to the Mormon Renegade Podcast. Welcome back to the Mormon Renegade Podcast. As always, you can get a hold of me uh, either by email at mormonrenegade at gmail.com. You can also get a hold of me on uh, Instagram and Twitter and Getter under the handle Mormon Renegade. Also, we have a website up, and that's mormonrenegade.com, so go check that out. Okay, before we jump into the conversation, I just want to start with this and make it abundantly clear. I have no financial interest at all with goldbacks. I simply find this to be a potential tool to help us do business with one another and at the same time strengthen local communities and supply chains. So with that, here's the conversation with Ben Schaefer. Well, Ben, how you been, man? You've been kind of a world traveler with doing your thing here late. Yeah, goldbacks have really been taken off, and so I have to uh, travel to the different states where things are, are getting launched. I'm very excited that the Wyoming goldbacks are coming out on Monday. So so there's the Utah ones, and then there's the Wyoming ones. Now, are, are the values different on those? No, they're exactly the same. The uh, idea of the gold back is to have a certain set amount of gold, right? Uh, right. So it doesn't matter if you're, you've got a Utah gold back, a Nevada gold back, a Wyoming gold back, a New Hampshire gold back. They're all interchangeable. You could think of it like a different artwork, sort of like the state quarters, right? So if you've got a Louisiana quarter or a uh, Tennessee quarter, it's still a quarter, even if you're not in, in, not in Tennessee, right? So um, it's the same thing with the goldbacks. They are a local currency for local markets, but it's just different art. They're all the same amount of gold. They're all interchangeable. You know, when you first told me that you were getting into this and you kind of told me the, the, uh, the premise behind them, I thought, I just remember thinking, okay, there's something important there. At the time, I didn't know what it was, right? And I have an idea now, and I could be all wrong, and we're going to get into that in a few minutes. But as, as I, I just remember you telling me, and I just, I, I actually kind of felt the spirit say, you know, there's, there's something to be had here. There's something important here. And at the time, I didn't quite grasp it. And, uh, but as time's gone along, I can, I can kind of see where maybe it could, could, come into play where it could kind of almost be a safety net so to speak right um we're recording this now uh on uh september 14th and just yesterday i mean the market had a 1300 point drop it was the worst drop since um i believe in the midst of covid during the shutdown is what i was reading so you get the feeling that there's this volatility in the market right Right. I've had Kelsey Williams on and we've talked a little bit about gold, but we haven't really talked about maybe some of the ways you can buy gold. Right. Um, a lot of guys will say, you know, what? I buy gold as an investment. And I tend to think, no, it's really kind of like fire insurance in some ways. Right. That's your <laughs> that's your hedge before everything goes bad. What I like about gold's backs is that it takes 
it takes it from fire insurance and then brings it down to something that can be used in everyday transactions. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's right. So the gold back is a gold currency system. It's a gold monetary system. And so it isn't just an investment in a commodity. Um, you know, if you buy gold coins or gold bars or something like that, um, it's a great way to save your money. Uh, gold is real money. Um, but it's not, um, it's not very usable as money. So if something's going to function as a monetary system, it needs to be able to be, retain its value. And that's what gold does. But it also really needs to be something you can actually have that's divisible or interchangeable so that you can, so that you can find the right price. That's what called using it as a measure of value. Um, gold isn't always, hasn't always been a great measure of value. Because um, what, how much gold is, say, a haircut worth or a sandwich or a dozen eggs? It's really hard to measure those things in gold because the amount of gold that they would be worth is very, very small. Um, you know, one gold coin um, in today's market, especially with the premiums, it's going to be still be around $2,000. And you can't, if you can't measure anything smaller than $2,000 worth, uh, it makes it really hard to actually just use it. And so, you know, when I was listening to, uh, listening to the Mormon Renegade, as I do, um, and listening to your, your guest, uh, Williams, who was on, um, Trey Williams, I was thinking really about the times that we're in. You know, we're in some very interesting times. There's a, uh, that's my favorite, uh, what is it? The Irish blessing slash curse is may you live in interesting times. Uh, I tell you, we live in interesting times right now. And we've got these stock market crashes. We've got all these volatilities going on. Um, and so much of the market is just completely divorced from reality. It's really hard to know what's something really worth. You know, um, your house is worth something. Your food that you own is worth something because you have it. But the markets, the markets are just so erratic. And uh, with things like war looming on the horizon, uh, hopefully Russia backs down and this doesn't turn into a major global conflict. But, you know, that's that's a hope. That's not a guarantee. Um with uh, with the markets so unstable, here's another one, a new one. Um, the the rail workers strike. Um, they're saying that today may be the last day until that strike is resolved. That grain is moved by rail in this country until it's resolved. Well, if they get that resolved quickly, then maybe that's not that big of a problem. But if our rails start shutting down, that's that's over ninety percent. I think I, I know it's a large proportion. Uh, if it's not if it's not over ninety, it's still a huge amount of our goods in this country move by rail. If you stop moving grain by rail, um, food prices could really go crazy, right? And so we've got inflation, we've got supply chain issues. Um, yeah, it, it's unstable times, and that's really led to the fact that I think the dollar has become an extremely unstable measure of value. Um, and so you just you, this is why, I guess this is why, you know, um, as Mormons, we've been warned not to trust in the arm of the flesh. If you're putting your trust and your hope that the Federal Reserve is going to save you, that the IRS is going to save you, that um, the system of Babylon 
is going to save you, then I'm sorry to let, uh, you know, sorry to the listener who's been, who's been putting their trust in those things. I got some bad news for you. You got, you, you can't trust in the arm of the flesh. We've been warned again and again and again, especially in the last days, that a lot of those systems are just not going to be reliable, right? No, um, absolutely not. And, and also, I think it's important to realize that at this point, the dollar, it's not like the old days when you could take a dollar into the bank and know that that's tied to a gold standard, right? Right now, our, our dollar really is built all on faith, right? The second right. somebody questions that faith, right? Let's say Saudi Arabia says, you know, I just don't think your dollar is good for much or China does or something like that. Once somebody calls the emperor out and says, you got no clothes, everybody else is going to do it too. And the problem right. is, is that we have not only have we done it, we told the rest of the world, hey, you peg to our dollar and uh, we'll just keep the gold safe. Well, that's not necessarily what we did. And and now we're, we're playing with fiat money, Ben. Um, and right. like you were saying, if you're thinking the Fed is going to fix this, good luck. I believe it was Einstein that said those who create the problem very, very, very seldom can fix the problem. And we know that the Fed has been the major source of our wealth dwindling because of inflation and because of, you know, liquidity in the market and printing more money than we actually have. Right. And, you know, it, here's another interesting thing. I want to say something about inflation. A lot of times people instinctively think they know what the statistics mean, but they get it wrong. So, for example, um, this year, inflation got as high as uh, I mean, this is according to official numbers. Uh, it got over nine percent. Um, now, most people would say that's that's really, really not even scratching the surface of what the real inflation rate is. But according to some of these consumer price index, things like that, they're saying, you know, it's it's about double digit. It's just about 10 percent. And then they we're putting out new numbers saying, guess what? It's only about eight now. Um the problem is that people assume the wrong thing about that. Instinctively, I think most Americans, when they hear it was nine, now it's eight, they think, oh, good. It came back down. It went from nine to eight. That means that there's 1% that we've regained of what we've lost. That is not the way this works. It's cumulative. If we had 9% last year and 8% this year, then you add those two together and it's 17% over two years. And if the next year after that, it becomes 3%, that doesn't mean that, oh, things are getting back to normal. It means now it's 20% over three years, right? Um, unless you have deflation, you've never even reached zero. So there's no subtracting. It's not rolling backward unless we're experiencing what's called deflation. And that would be below the zero mark of the inflation rate. And so I don't think a lot of people realize just how bad inflation is because they'll say, oh, well, inflation's only, only about 6%. And they're assuming that there's some kind of gold standard, right? That was, that was the zero point. And that we're 6% above that zero point. That's not how it works. That is not how it works at all. Every year or every month uh, or every quarter, whether they report a new number, it's cumulative over the other numbers that went before it. 
um, based on whatever scale they're using. Uh, if it's quarterly, then it's quarter over quarter. If it's monthly, it's month over month, right? But um, but people don't realize it, it, it unless it goes into deflation, we're not talking about it ever going down. We're, we're talking about how fast is it accelerating? How fast is it accelerating is what we're talking about. Um, and so if you think about it like the speed of a car, um, if we're accelerating at 9%, um, and then we start accelerating at 8%, it's not like we went from 65 back down to 62. No, we went from 65 to 75, and then we went from 75 to like 83. Um, we're still speeding up. We're still going faster and faster into those problems. Um, we just might, maybe we, we won't be accelerating quite as fast as we were before. It doesn't fix the problem. Um, and the problem, of course, like you, you mentioned earlier, what's the fiat currency? A fiat currency, right, is something with nothing to back it up, just an order or a fiat, uh, which literally just means um, an, an edict or a decree. Somebody, uh, in this case, the Federal Reserve Board said, these pieces of paper are now money. You should treat them as though they're valuable. And we obeyed that order and said, okay, we will now play along with this set of rules, with this game. We're going to pretend that these pieces of paper now represent value. But that doesn't mean that it's objectively true. It's just it's just a kind of um, a system that we're all playing along with. But the moment someone says, I'm not playing your game anymore, I'm doing something else, then it isn't worth anything because it's only worth it if you're subscribing to it, essentially, if you're choosing to use it. Um, I find it hilarious so that, that they ridicule people of religion and spirituality as silly because they just put their faith into something they can't see. And these are the same people that are willing <laughs> right. to say, to say, Oh no, our dollar, we're totally good for it. Don't sweat it. Right. The other thing I want to touch on in inflation too, Ben, <laughs> is that a lot of times when those numbers come down, not only do they fail to tell you that, Hey, this is on top of what you already had, but they play with the numbers, right? So oh, sure. they'll like take out food sometimes. They'll be like, well, that's an outlier. Well, last time I checked, eating isn't necessarily an outlier activity, right? That's something right. that's ubiquitous. We all have to do that. And so it, those numbers are, as you said, the, the, first off, they don't tell you what they really mean. And then two, we're not even getting the real numbers. Right, right. Because anything that's really been the, the, the place that hurts the most, the most acute crisis in, um, in inflation is going to be the thing they're not going to include in the number because it's the outlier, right? So it's like, oh, well, everything's fine except the people who are dying. But we're not going to talk about those people because they're outliers. They're the exception. And it's like, actually, I think that's probably the most important part of the number for most people is where is the pain the greatest and instead of ignoring that we should be addressing that um so yeah you're right there's there's a bunch of funny things about it and of course um so we're not even necessarily getting the real numbers so what 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 can you do in that environment if you don't know what's real if if we do get to the point where someone starts to question the game and say you know what i don't want to play along with the dollar anymore i don't want you to pay me in dollars give me something else the problem is that right now, what else do you do? Where is there an alternative? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this in a Mormon way um, that may upset some listeners. I remember a conference talk, a general conference talk. I'm trying to remember who was it who gave it. I want to say it was Oaks, but it might have been 
It might have been Holland. They said, where else will you go? If you have a testimony that Joseph Smith was a prophet, if you've read the Book of Mormon and you have a testimony of it, where else will you go? You can't leave the LDS church. No matter how upset you might be about a policy, no matter how upset you might be about what we do, no matter how much you might disagree with something, you have nowhere else to go. Where else will you go? And that, of course, made me really mad because I was like, actually, you know, you're only one of like a hundred active um, LDS churches. You know, you don't have a monopoly on the truth here. Um, made me mad because it was dismissive, I guess, of those of us that are Mormon fundamentalists. Um, but it's the same situation we have with the dollar right now. If you think, okay, I'm tired of being manipulated. I'm tired of being double or triple taxed on the same money. I am tired of the instability. I don't like the inflation. The Federal Reserve is saying the same thing to everybody right now. Well, where else will you go? What else are you going to do? If you don't accept dollars, you have no alternative. So you're either going to play our game and do it our way and let us do whatever we want, or you're not going to have anything, right? Because how are you going to survive as a business if you don't, don't use dollars? Um, I think so this a, is kind of where Goldbacks comes in. I, I think you raised a great point there, right? And we don't have to go that far back in time to really see uh, that – this was understood by our founders as well, right? One of the things that gets glossed over in history is that prior to the full-fledged revolution starting, you had guys like Sam Adams, you had John Hamilton, uh, or excuse me, not Hamilton, uh, Hancock, um, and you had a doctor that was back in Boston, and they actually started using a different currency, Understanding that one of the ways you can have influence as just a citizen is to be like, I'm not playing your game anymore. Right. In fact, uh, if you think about it in terms of like um, passive resistance, what was it that Gandhi did that was so powerful? He was able to liberate his entire nation from British rule the most powerful military on the planet, the most powerful empire on the planet. He defeated the most powerful group on the planet. How? Through nonviolent resistance. But what does that look like? What it looks like is saying, your rule doesn't look like a good one to me. I'm not going to subscribe to that rule. I'm just going to ignore it. And it, it, it's not like you have to do anything violent to overthrow. You don't have to do anything... Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be treason or rebellion against the government. You just have to say when you look at certain programs, if you don't like the way it's working and you don't think it's going to work for you, well, then don't do it. Don't participate in a system that is harming you. Don't empower it. Just simply say, I'm sorry, I'm not interested in doing that. Thank you, but no thank you, you know, kind of kind of thing. And that's really what they were doing. Um, these early American revolutionaries were looking at some of the, the ways in which the um, the crown in England was trying to basically make exorbitant profits off of the colonies, right? The um, uh, King George was basically trying to um, see how much how many resources he could milk the colonies for, and they were basically just saying, "Well, we don't want to do that, so we're not going to participate in that system," and we can't. 
of course, um, do anything about it. There's nowhere else to go unless we build our own system, our own alternative infrastructure. And it needs to be something, therefore, that that has some real value to it. And that's really where the difficulties were with these alternative currencies. Benjamin Franklin had one of my favorites. Benjamin Franklin's alternative currency was gonna be based on the idea of the value of the land. And that um, the people on the land were creating value um, because at the time, of course, the colonies were mostly made up of small farmers and things like that. And he said, look, if your average American who is this, um, this farmer, is out there improving the land and, and growing crops, the land is bringing forth a yield or an increase. If we can use that as our measure of value, not just gold or silver, for example, or the power of the fiat of the crown to give orders and say, you should do what I say. What if we just looked at it and said, okay, the land brings value. Let's have everybody um, be able to use that land and that value from the land as their credit to create the basis for a currency and uh, created the continental dollar. And it worked pretty well. Um, but, um, but essentially what you have to do is you have to have an alternative. You have to have somewhere else you can go if you want to be able to reclaim your freedom in those types of situations. And so we've got a really interesting opportunity here in using gold as money, because after all, gold is the original money, the real money. Um, the gold back makes it possible for people to have a monetary system where it's not manipulatable, not even by us who mint it. Um, the gold back is just real gold money and the gold, the value itself is in your hand. It, you actually trade it for your transaction. So it's not just a currency, which represents value somewhere else. The gold is actually in your pocket. So that means that the gold back is basically like a very thin or a very small coin that you can use for, for transactions. When you've got a system like that, um, it can't be manipulated. It can't be taken away from you. It's just gold. It's real gold, real value in your hand. So explain to me real quick, for anyone who haven't, hasn't seen it, these look like dollar bills that have gold built into kind of the artwork and the border so that there's an actual weight of gold built into this currency, correct? Correct. So yeah, they're thin like paper. So you could you can put them in your wallet, for example, right? Because they're very very thin. But um, they uh, each gold back one gold back is one one thousandth of a troy ounce of pure gold, nine 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 fine gold or twenty four karat gold, right? And um, and so yeah, it looks a little bit like what we call a bill, but instead of being a bill, it's actually a um, a thin gold coin, it's sort of laminated. So you could think of it like um, a, la a laminated piece of paper, except that instead of it being paper inside that's laminated, it's gold. Um, and so one gold back has one one thousandth of a troy ounce. There's multiple types of these notes, right? Um, and so there's a one, a five, a 10, a 25, and a 50. And the 50 actually has 50 times as much gold as the one. And when you hold one in your hand, if you go out and get, get one for yourself, uh, if you go out and buy a set or a handful of them, you can actually feel that weight difference. The 50 is 50 times heavier in the gold. It's the same amount of plastic, I suppose, but it's 50 times more gold. And you can just feel that thickness and weight um, and the flexibility difference in your hand is, is dramatic. You can tell. Um, and so I like to say, you know, when it comes to like counterfeiting or people worrying about a false currency, um, 
paper notes. We use paper for cash, right? Um, a blind person can't tell you if a bill is a 20 or a 50 or a one when you hand it to them. But uh, a gold back, even a blind person can tell you if it's real and which denomination it is because you can feel that weight difference and the texture difference and the size difference. And okay, so the so, basic idea. Yeah, go ahead. Well, so, so we, so the general premise is, is that these are actual weighted units, right? Now, yep. That that actually solves a lot of problem that people have had with gold for years, right? I I can't remember who it was, but I actually have one. It looked like a credit card, right? And so you could like chunk off little pieces of this thing, which was just basically like a gold card, essentially. Right, mm -hmm. a card made of gold, and and that was supposed to get you through, but it never really had any. It it, it didn't tell you what it was worth, right? It was just one of those things, right. kind of like break in case of fire, sort of a thing. Still didn't allow <laughs> sure. you to do, to do with that, like what we're talking with goldbacks, right? You have a, a a denomination attached to that. Right. And that, that's the basically the problem, right? If I mean, gold is valuable. And so in an emergency situation, let's talk about this in terms of like preparedness. Um, let's say you're in a situation where the banks are closed. What do you do? Well, um, people say, well, I could trade gold or silver. Well, imagine that you're in one of those situations and you've got a handful of gold nuggets and you know it's worth a bunch. Um, but how much is each one worth? And what's the purity of that gold? Is that 18 karat gold? Is it 14 karat gold? Is it 22 karat gold? Is it 24 karat gold? It makes a big difference on the value of those nuggets. And there's no way to really tell. And, and if you get one of these, uh, Volcombi makes a, a, a thing where you can break the bar or, or cut it into pieces. And then each of those individual pieces are still supposed to be worth like um, quite a bit, frankly. Um, the, little, the little pieces you could break off one of those bars would still be worth maybe $100 or more maybe $200 for just this little chunk that you break off. And then how do you know how much it's worth exactly? Well, I guess you have to weigh it. You have to be able to assay it, meaning you have to be able to test it for its purity and, and then its weight. And then you still have to negotiate a price as to what that you think that much gold is going to be worth for your transaction. Gold bat, and, th and that's just too much work, basically, right? That's too much work for your average person to be able to do a regular transaction with. You know, if, if the banks are closed and we need to do business and you've got an apple tree and I want to buy a bushel of apples from you or something, right? We can't do all those steps. We need some... Mm, mode some medium of exchange where we can say okay i think this is worth x price and i can give you that price and you know that you've got it and then we can do the exchange otherwise it, otherwise you're, you're sort of just bartering it gets really confusing goldbacks really solves that first because they're interchangeable if i owe you say 30 goldbacks i can give hand you a 50 and you can give me change with you know with um with uh, two tens for 20 gold backs back, and then I paid you 30. Or we can, you know, do it in any of the other um, ways you can break that down. And you can do four fives or a bunch of ones or, you know, all those things. Um, you can't do that with like these um, little broken bits or gold nuggets very easily, right? Um, and then also, how much value does it have? Well, the gold backs actually have an exchange rate. Uh, right now, that exchange rate is based on the price of gold and the market for people who are spending the currency, spending the gold backs as a currency. Um, 
But even in an emergency situation, you know the exact weight and the exact purity of what you're being handed. Um, I got to tell you a, a quick story about a guy who told me, I'm not worried about inflation. He told me, I'm, I'm prepared. Even if the banks close, I'm not worried. Even if the total stock market crashes, I'm not worried. Even if the dollar collapses, I'm not worried because I've got gold bars in my safe, he told me. And I thought, hey, that's great for you, man. Gold bars, are that's a, that's a lot of value right there, right? But I said, but um, imagine this. Imagine that one of those scenarios you just said happens. Imagine the banks are closed and you need a dozen eggs. Are you going to give somebody a gold bar for a dozen eggs? I mean, a gold bar is worth like $80,000 or something. You're going to spend $80,000 of value on, on a dozen eggs? Ben, give me that guy's name and number after you're done with this show. I want to get with him on some <laughs> eggs. Right? I want to get with him and get him some eggs, right? Um, and, he, and he was like, well, no, that would be terrible. And I'm like, so what are you going to do? You can't sell a gold bar. You don't want to trade it for some small purchase. You, so here's the problem. If the banks are closed or if you want to use gold as money, right now what most people are doing is they have to sell – their gold bar for dollars, which means all the banks got to be have to be open. All the gold dealers have to be flush with cash, which means the stock market's got to have to be pretty good, frankly. He, so he so that somebody has can actually cash him out of that, and then he's going to spend paper dollars. Well, that's not going to work. And then some people would say, "Oh, well, what if he just chips off a piece? That'd be the worst thing you could do. You chip a piece off of a gold bar, and now we don't know how much the gold bar is. We just know that it's less than." what it says on it. You know, if it's a hundred ounce gold bar and you've chipped a piece off it, now I don't know how much is left. And then once you've got this little chipped off piece, this little gold flake or something, you've still got to, you've got to test it. You've got to weigh it. At least when it was attached to the bar, I knew that it said 24 karat gold on that bar, but the, the little tiny flake doesn't, doesn't say what its purity is. Now I've got to, I've got to, I've got to assay that, right? And this is where you got to acid test things, or you've got to use these touchstone methods or all kinds of stuff to figure out if it's actually real gold. People don't have time for that. That's not going to work. And I said, but, but here, if you have a gold back, I told this guy, then you know one gold back is worth about a loaf of bread, a dozen eggs, something like that. Because this much gold has always been worth that much and probably always will be. So let me ask you this, Ben, because I, I think you bring up a good point here. And I, and I just want to get the stats right on this. How is the gold that's used in gold backs? How is it um, verified, so to speak? You were talking about having sure. gold needing to be ace, you know, assayed and that sort of stuff. Right. Explain to me the process about, you know, the, the verification process that the gold that's going into the gold backs is what they say they are. So there's four, there's four, um, there's four things that go into every gold back. And this is, this is really part of major part of the value of a gold back, right? Is that when you get one in your hand, you have to know that it's the real deal. Um, and the nice thing is, is they really can't be co um, counterfeited. So when you, once you hold a gold back in your hand, you'll see it has security features on it. Um, and those, those security features at this point, we do not believe that there's anyone with the technology to make a fake. Okay, so um, but but how do you know the real gold back is really what it claims to be? Well, um, there's there's four things. First, it's a very exacting process we use to create the gold back. 
Um, instead of it being minted by like being stamped out like gold foil or gold leaf or even a gold coin that's stamped to its weight, um, it's not a sub those are all subtractive processes, it's called in manufacturing, right? All of those, you start with a bunch of gold and then you cut it down to the value. The gold back is actually done the opposite way. It's an additive process. We actually, it's sort of like 3D printing. The, the, um, the, the manufacturing process called um, vacuum deposition is like 3D printing, but what we're using for our filament is pure gold and what we're using for our nozzle is a laser. And so this laser essentially picks up gold atoms inside this vacuum chamber. So there's no other atoms in there, only gold atoms. And that, that laser then carries the atom with, along with the photon to the surface and then uses the energy of that laser to fuse it onto the surface. So first of all, the reason we know how much gold is in there is because this is a very exacting process. We're literally applying these gold atoms one atom at a time. Now, obviously we do it very, very quickly with multiple lasers. Otherwise we would still be counting um, the number of atoms it takes to make one gold back, right? <laughs> but, um, but it's a very, very precise process, extremely precise. Um, the second thing that we do is that every gold back is then x-rayed. And these x-ray assaying methods make it so that we can measure the exact density and thickness of, of the gold. And because we can measure its density, we're actually also measuring what, what it is made out of, right? Whether or not there's any impurities in that gold then would come out in this type of type of process. Um, a spectrometer is something fairly similar. There's a lot of gold testing machines that are out on the market you can buy. They cost, they usually cost well in excess of $1,000, sometimes in excess of three or $4,000. Um, but um, it's basically doing the same thing. It's, it's, um, it's proving the purity, the density, and the thickness. And so that, that gives us um, uh, another picture, an, an independent picture of whether or not that first process was done accurately so that we can see exactly the weight and purity of the gold. The third thing we do is a fire assay. Now, this happens um, at random. Out of every batch of goldbacks that's being created, some of the goldbacks are pulled out of that batch at random and then melted down. So we put them inside a crucible. We heat that crucible up to about 4,000 degrees. Um, at that temperature, not only is gold a liquid, but um, the polymer that we're using, that's basically like the lamination I was talking about, that's on the outside of the gold back, and the inks that we use for the artwork right. and things like that, th those all vaporize, turn into vapor at, at um, you know, less than 2,000 degrees, most of them quite a bit less than 2,000 degrees. And then the gold um, at two or 3,000 degrees is a complete liquid. And then we cool it back off again, and we end up with this little tiny BB of pure gold. We then take that BB of pure gold and do the same things with it. We x-ray it um, and use the spectrometer and we weigh it. And then when we weigh that, um, that little ball of gold, it has to weigh more than what was promised in those gold backs. That way we know a third way that it is actually, and in general, it is slightly in excess of what is promised. So one gold back is one one thousandth of an ounce. It's usually 2% or so more because our target is to be at about 2% more. Now, if the assays come back and say, it's only 1% more than what was promised, we're still more than was promised. So we'll still send those out, right? Um, but the idea is um, it can't be too much more 
uh, can't be more than say four or five percent more than what we promised. Otherwise, that that's our entire profit margin, and we'd be giving away money in order to make the gold backs. So, um, so if that ever if it ever comes back more than that, then we'll melt them down again um, to be sure that we aren't overdoing it. But basically, that destroys the the individual gold backs we do it with. Um, but it, what, it, what does it do? It confirms the other two methods. And the fourth way and final way that you know you're getting what you're getting with the gold back is we don't just do that ourselves in-house. We do do that ourselves in-house all the time, but that's not, that's not all. The fourth way is we actually hire independent third-party auditors to do all of it all over again. They melt them down, they use the spectrometers and the x-rays, and they verify the purity. And so after it's gone through all of that, and, and multiple different third parties, um, all the major bullion houses, um, you can buy goldbacks from almost any major bullion dealer uh, at this point. Um, all of them have double checked and are confident that the, um, the gold is really there. So once it's in that form, once it's inside the gold back, you basically have it in a form where you have proof of authenticity of exactly what this gold is worth. Um, otherwise, you know, if you're trading bits of gold chains or, or um, gold nuggets, yeah, you can't really be sure you know what you're getting. Um, honestly, sadly, counterfeiting is rampant, even amongst gold coins. So even if someone brings you a gold coin that says the United States of America and it and you think this is from the U.S. Mint. This is a U.S. minted gold coin. I'm sorry. There's tons of fakes out there um, where people will put a cheap metal on the inside, like a washer or something like that. You can usually find those cheaper counterfeit fakes by just putting a magnet on it. And it's like, oh, this is magnetic. This isn't this isn't real. Um, but some of the really, really good fakes actually will have tungsten on the inside and gold on the outside. And honestly, about the only way you can prove that those are real or not is to melt them down. And that means that even a gold coin, you can't necessarily trust it. I'm sorry to say, but you just can't. Um, but a gold back, you can. It's it's so thin, you can't hide anything else inside it. And it's, and it's independently verified by multiple parties before it goes out. So you can see essentially when it's in that container, you know, you've got the real thing. Dude, that's awesome. Because that's, that's always the trick, right? Is to make sure that that if, if you're trading something, you're not just doing what we're doing with the dollar, which is just saying, I'm sure with the, I'm sure it's fine, right? Oh, it's probably gotta, fine, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> Again, really some misplaced faith there. But anyway, it, it, it's good to know that. Now, now, let me ask you this. How many businesses right now are using goldbacks that you can kind of go into a place and buy buy something with those goldbacks? And what kind of industries are they in? Are 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 those um, merchants in? I guess right. Well, we while we probably could use more big retailers uh, right now. That's been the hardest of the nuts to crack. But uh, right now, already there are hundreds of businesses across four states that accept goldbacks. I'd say in Utah alone, we're in excess of three hundred businesses now where you can walk in and pay with goldbacks right at the cash register just like you would with paper dollars but you can just pay them in gold pay them in the goldbacks um and out of those 300 businesses i mean i would say that it's probably at least 60 40 maybe it's 
maybe it's 70-30 weighted in favor of services. Um, things like restaurants, um, we've got accountants and lawyers and plumbers and HVAC guys. We've got landscapers and artisans. Um, but then, you know, we've also got, um, you know, the, at least 30, 40% are, are going to be things like we have car dealerships, um, people who sell um, food even, um, not necessarily big grocers, but we have a bunch of farms and uh, butchers and orchards. And um, there's several people who um, have honey or uh, some other specific thing. And so, yeah, while, while we're not at universal acceptance yet, um, it's been growing by hundreds every year and it's been growing exponentially. And so we're hoping that we can approach something like universal acceptance, hopefully in the next five years or so, where maybe you could spend them everywhere, anywhere. Um, but yeah, for right now, I would say though, uh, everybody should have a few in their wallet because it, it moves forward the cause of sound money. Uh, one of the things that my boss likes to say is uh, people are sad about missing the gold standard. Um, and if you're waiting for the feds to just bring it back, you're waiting in vain. But you don't have, but here's the good news. You don't have to wait for the feds to bring back the gold standard. We already have the gold standard. We're bringing it back right now with the gold back. All you've got to do is one, understand the problem. Well, if they're listening to this podcast, they understand more about the problem. Uh, two, the second step to bring us, um, three easy steps, right? To bring us back to uh, the gold standard. One, understand the problem. Two, you have to actually have some gold. Now that's pretty easy because one gold back is worth less than $4. So for less than $4, you can become an owner of gold. Well, it beats the heck out of buying coins. Like I was just saying, generally, if you wanted to become a gold owner, you had to have at least $2,000 to go in and buy one coin. That's how much it cost you to become a gold owner. But now with the gold back, you can you can come in with four four dollars. You can show up with four bucks and get one gold back, and bam, you're a gold owner. And then step number three, once you've got some gold backs in your wallet, you got to go and spend them. And the moment you've done that, you've completed the cycle. You've actually added to circulation circulating money that is sound money, that's real money, that's actual gold. And then you're on the gold standard. That's that's all it takes. Three steps. Um, let, let me ask you this then real quick. If, if I'm a merchant of any sort, is there a tax nightmare that is associated with, with goldbacks, right? I mean, because look, you have to pay the government their share or else you're, you're going to be up against the IRS who just, you know, sure. happened to have hired 85,000 new agents. So, <laughs> you know, they're coming, right? They, right. They and, armed, the, and armed a bunch of them. And <laughs> right, they, they didn't hire those guys just to sit on the sidelines and, you know, bring coffee to the real agents. They're, they're there for a purpose. So what right. kind of logistics when it comes to taxes and that sort of thing, if, if I'm a merchant that wants to get involved with this and take this is right. There? Well, your real question was, should you be worried? Goodness, no. Please don't be worried at all. In fact, that's one of the best things about the goldbacks is that the tax situation is great. Um, now, it's not it's not perfect in the sense that it's not that there's no taxes. You still have to pay your taxes, I'm afraid. 
But um, the nice thing is, is that goldback is a legal tender instrument. What that means is it's basically treated as money by law, especially in the states in which it's operating. Um, now, and there are some states that we're not even operating in yet that also have similar laws that will treat the goldback just the same, even if there isn't a state designed for them. Um, but basically, what is that, that scheme? Uh, there's something that ca is called the Utah Legal Tender Act. And that's a Utah state law that really gave us the idea for the gold back in the first place. And that Utah state law basically said gold and silver are real money. They're, they've always been money and they'll be recognized by law as money. And that means that, um, for example, if you buy a gold back, I'm doing air quotes here. You're not buying something if you churn your paper dollars into gold backs. You're exchanging one form of money fiat money into another form of money, sound money, which is gold. Um, and so therefore the state doesn't treat that as a sale. So for example, you don't have to pay sales tax to turn your dollars into gold backs. Um, and when you accept gold backs, you don't have to do any special pain in the butt uh, tax things. Now it is true that if you take payment in gold backs and you would have owed some kind of sales tax on a sale, had it been done in dollars, then yes, you still owe your sales tax on the sale that you made in goldbacks. Um, but there's no special tax. And here's one of the reasons why that's especially interesting is that say, you know, for example, you could own, you could owe state capital gains tax on an investment. Let's say you were to um, even gold for that um, until the legal tender act was passed. Um, you could say buy a bunch of some assets, say it's stocks or something like that. And then it goes up in value and you sell it at a higher price. And then that difference becomes your capital gains, right? And therefore you owe, cap owe capital gains on the difference between the pr price you bought it for and the price you sold it for. Well, with a gold back, you're not actually ever gonna realize capital gains because you're never gonna sell them for dollars. If you turn, if, let's say you have $10,000, you're worried about inflation right now, you want to opt out of that. So you turn your $10,000 of paper money into $10,000 of gold money in gold backs. Well, now you don't have to worry about inflation, generally, because gold, um, maybe not instantly, but eventually, generally, keeps up with inflation. Um, and then you just spend your gold backs instead of spending your paper dollars well, you still never realized a gain, right? You've never realized a gain unless you sell it for dollars at a higher price than what you bought it for. Um, well, you never have to do that again. You can just opt out, in which case you won't actually owe any taxes. I think the IRS would agree with that assessment. You only owe taxes when you have a gain. Um, and then on top of that, the state of Utah will not charge any special taxes. Now, the state of Wyoming has probably the best, and that's why I'm so excited about the Wyoming gold, gold back coming out next week, is that Wyoming's law actually says no taxes will be charged on gold or silver at all. There will the, 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 There should be no taxation whatsoever, <laughs> essentially. Um, and there's an argument to be made that that gives it even greater protections than the US dollar has. Um, if you use the Wyoming gold back in Wyoming, but, um, but yeah, so it's, it's not that hard. And honestly, people think uh, I, I run into business owners sometimes they, they say, well, why should I sign up for, to do gold backs? It sounds like it's going to be a real pain in the butt. I've got to worry about exchange rates or accounting. It sounds hard. And the good news is it's really not that hard. 
Um, the goldbacks can be accounted for in the same way that you account for coupons. They can be accounted for in the same way you account for um, a gift certificate. They can be accounted for the same way you'd account for cash. Um, you might have to keep them in a separate envelope and say, this is my goldback cash account versus my dollar cash account. Um, but if you keep us any simple ledger system, um, you're going to be fine. And, you know, it's perfectly legal to use them. They're actually legal tender. Frankly, I think that, you know, most people assume that that means that everyone has to take them. Uh, I, I mean, I do think it, it technically means in a very loose sense that everyone should accept them as payment. But, you know, we're getting closer and closer to a digital economy and a digital currency system. Uh, there's already a bunch of places that don't take cash. Um, this doesn't affect us Mormons nearly so much, but I was still surprised to see the news. Starbucks. Starbucks um, is going cashless. They're no longer going to accept payment in cash. And um, they can do that. Even though cash is legal tender, um, they can still choose how they want to take payment. So, um, so you know, I, I, I worry a little bit. I kind of envision a future where uh, there's some kind of central bank digital currency or everybody goes to using digital transactions. And the danger with that is it's so manipulatable. It's so controllable. Even if, even if a digital, even if everything digital was set up by a perfect saint, an absolute, you know, philosopher king who never wanted to do anyone harm, who was the most benevolent being imaginable with their powers. What do you do about the fact that they're not going to be in power forever? Um, sooner or later, I think you need a cash option. You need to be able to do your business without anybody else being in your business. Absolutely. Right. And when, when you were describing that per, perfect king, I'm like, as far as I know, Jesus hasn't come back yet, right? right. So we can rule that one out right now. Right. And, <laughs> and, and I know that this sounds a little bit uh, crazy or paranoid of me, but even if Jesus were our king and Jesus gave us a digital currency system, we would still have to watch out for the fact that the devil will be loose for a short season after the millennium. There will still come a time where even then that wasn't good enough. Right. Because right. Absolutely. You you did bring up a good point. Right. Everything's going kind of to an online model, if you will. Right. Is there any plans uh -huh. to take goldbacks to online stores or something like that? Well, there are some ways you can do online transactions. There is a um, an organization called the United Precious Metals Association uh, or UPMA. And so, yeah, if you go to like UPMA.org. You can open up an account that's denominated in goldbacks and you can transfer those goldbacks from one account to another, not just for yourself, but like you can, you can use it like Venmo essentially and transfer some of your goldbacks to someone else. So there's ways that you can do those transactions. And I would kind of like to see the blockchain used more effectively for money and maybe have the blockchain, some, some blockchain token or whatever denominated in goldbacks or even Bitcoin, but denominated in goldbacks instead of being valued in dollars. Um, but I think the real value of a gold back is the cash transaction because you're exchanging real value for real value and the gold will actually be in your hands that way. Um, but no, there are some solutions out there already. And, the, and I think that some of those solutions will be improved on with time to be able to do digital transactions in goldbacks. So you have an online business, you can actually be part of the goldback network and have an online only business where people pay you in goldbacks digitally through like the UPMA. Um, type system. Um, but 
but yeah, I think the real value comes into the fact that uh, if the if there's no electricity, you can still trade a gold back. If there's no bank, you can still trade a gold back. If there's a digital currency, you can still trade a gold back um, because it's just value in hand. Um, so that's what really where I think the strength of the project lies. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now, Ben, this is the part where I, I talked about early on, and you can see, jump in here if you, you think I'm heading down maybe, a, I don't know, on the wrong track, so to speak. But I, t- I told you at the beginning here of our conversation that, that when you first told me about it, I had this feeling like, okay, there's something there. I don't know what it is, but there's something there. And it, it hit me one day as I was just watching at work because of my position, I can kind of watch how money comes in and out, right? And it's all uh-huh. just, just you know, ones and zeros, essentially, right? Comes yep. in, it goes out, meets payroll, all those things. And I thought, how do we ever, as a people, spit ourselves out of this system? And I... I just mold on it. And and that's probably part of my problem is I tend to get too analytical <laughs> and I tend to go down some rabbit holes at times. But my, my thought is, is that if we as a people, and I'm not just talking about one group of fundamentalists or two independents, I'm talking about, you know, us as fundamentalists or mainstream LDS folks who are more traditional, there's got to be a point at which we kind of come out of Babylon, right? Where we say enough's enough. Let's spit ourselves out of the system. And I think the gold back could play a huge issue in that, right? There mm-hmm. are, if, if there's one thing I know about fundamentalists, as I've become better acquainted with them all, it's that we tend to be a people who are diverse in what it is we do really well right? Some folks are really good in agriculture. Others are good at building, but we're, we're kind of splintered. We're fractured in a lot of ways. And one of the ways I thought we can, we could start to spit ourselves out of the system is by doing business together with a different currency. Is that something that's possible with gold back? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, um, you know, um, it's not a Mormon fundamentalist project, so to speak. Um, And it's not even a Mormon project, uh, the gold back. It's much bigger than that. But I've found that anybody who has a sense of wanting to think about things in a higher way, a higher law, seems to really love the goldbacks. In fact, we really put a lot of intentionality in their designs. So, for example, each goldback has the artwork on it, right? And the artwork symbolically depicts gospel principles and virtues. Um, in fact, here I'll give you one. Uh, I'll give you a hint that's never been published yet. If you look at the ten goldback, um, there's a there's clouds in the sky, and if you look at it sideways, so you turn the ten on its side you'll notice that the outline of the clouds creates an image of the Salt Lake Temple. Um, so there's, there's like hidden pictures, there's hidden meanings. And then each one um, of them has a, a more obvious message too. In Latin is written the name of a virtue. So for example, the Utah series, the one has prudence as the one. Um, and what is that? It symbolically depicts her virtues. So prudence... Um, has symbolic things like she holds a mirror 
for self-reflection. And so there's all these symbolic things and they're supposed to teach good principles. And, and I think that really when it comes down to it, yeah, if you want to be able to you know, hang on to your liberties, hang on to your freedom. If you want to be able to have a system that isn't going to be controlled or manipulated or taken away from you, you have to have an alternative infrastructure. You have to have your own, your own market, your own systems. Otherwise you're just dependent upon whatever the globalists are doing, right? Because that's the only way you're going to get your food or something. Absolutely. You know, I, I find there's a, there's a word that was used a lot in the 60s and 70s that I think could apply to to Mormons of all stripes really well. And that that word's counterculture, right? We we mm-hmm. tend to think of the word counterculture and we imma- we instantly go to hate Ashbury with some hippies sitting in the park smoking some you know smoking <laughs> a joint and and yeah. the drums, right? Right. But realistically, even the founders had set up kind of a a counterculture before before things kind of went off the rails and and we sure. went you know in into revolution. And so I think I think we're in a place now, Ben. And and again, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we have to start thinking of ourselves as more of a counterculture, right? And that means that we're going to have to start adopting not just social norms and our, our own vernacular, which we already have, but we're going to have to start maybe looking at trying to do business with each other, right? Get right. out so of the world and start. We need to build local supply chains. We need to do business with other good, God-fearing, freedom-loving people, you know, if, if we're going to, and that's the only way that we can really support each other. And there's nothing wrong with that being economic, right? It's a good thing for us to support each other's businesses. And let's be, let's build these networks. And that's really what, yeah, that's, that's exactly what Goldback's all about. We are building local community networks of local supply chains um, so that, you know, people can, small businesses can actually actually prosper you know uh, a lot of times when people when i show someone a gold back they'll say so this is money i'll be like yes it's legal tender and then they'll say well can i spend it at walmart or take it to the bank are like two of the most common first questions and it's like no actually you can do almost anything you'd ever think of doing with money except those two things why because the banks are shipping our money outside of our community and walmart is part of a global supply chain shipping money outside of our communities Goldbacks are primarily used by local mom and pops, by people who have a local interest in the local economy, who live here and work here, right? And that's kind of where the local currencies get their start, any of them, including the other local currency projects that have existed in the past. Um, and, and that's really part of the point, is to strengthen the people that you know and make that local economy vibrant. Um, and yet on the, and of course, you know, the goldbacks just have the added benefit of being made out of gold means that you're, you're not taking the same risk you would normally be taking on accepting a local currency or a new currency. Um, because, you know, the goldbacks cannot be inflated because they're gold. The gold is real and it's not just going to disappear on you. And it's going to be worth something no matter what happens. I mean, um, you know, a thousand years ago, the English language didn't even exist. Most people don't realize that. The English language didn't exist a thousand years ago, not in the present form, but you know what did exist? Gold is money. A thousand years before that, um, people were speaking Latin, 
and gold was money. And a thousand years before that, and a thousand years before that, and a thousand years before that, all the way back to the beginnings of civilization in Mesopotamia and ancient Egypt, people were trading gold. Gold was still money. And I bet you in a thousand years, gold will still be money. Absolutely. So, <laughs> and, and I think so, you so can up... give you a confidence, right? There, there, there's a history there. <laughs> it's reliable. And, absolutely. I think you bring up a really good point about the supply chain, right? It wasn't more than a couple years ago where you couldn't find anything on the shelves right before and during COVID, right? Sure. Part of that problem was, and, and we're still experiencing that today, right? It was just a couple months ago that you couldn't get baby formula. Right. And why is right. that? That's because we have built. I, I, I kind of talked with Kelsey Williams about this off air, but uh -huh. I, I think we have built a an economic tower of ba Babel. Right. And what we're seeing now is that it's too big and it's coming down. And we saw that in earnest during covid. Right. We saw that in earnest after covid that. If, if, if we're that massive, it's really hard to get, um, get the, the goods that we need. Um, we go back to all those shipping, uh, all those shipping ports. Right. Right. And part of the problem was, is that no one stored anything. It was one of those things where we had right. built this system to where you ordered it and it came in quickly. And it's all well and good. Right. When it, it's all when well and good so long as it's working like perfect clockwork. Right? They call that just just in time supply chain. Exactly. And and it's all well and good unless there's a black swan event, right? Unless there's a pandemic, unless there's war. In which case well, or or unless or unless there's a rail workers strike, like there right. is right now. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And so let's just take COVID, for example. They didn't shut Walmart down. They didn't shut big grocers down. They went after the little guy to shut them down. Why was that? Well, that was because there there was no alternative, right? Right. And that's they and that's had, why the big guys like Jeff Bezos and Amazon and Walmart and all those guys got super super rich in in 2021. Um, because all their competition was gone. You, you had to depend on their big global supply chain because they'd wiped out so many local supply chains. Right. And everybody was, you know, while the gold back was around, it wasn't around like we're starting to see it now. Well, and right? it, it, it's still small. In fact, let me give you, let me give you an idea of scale here. Um, in 2019, the gold back was launched. There was probably only like a hundred thousand dollars worth of it. Um, in circulation at first. Um, 2020, of course, now we're already talking pandemic, right? Goldback still grew anyway, exponentially. And we got to the point where um, by 2021, we were doing hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, up to a million dollars a month in sales of goldbacks, or I should say, not necessarily sales, right? But people exchanging that many more dollars into the goldbacks, into the goldback system. Um, we have been in the place now for six, seven months now, eight months where we have been doing well in excess of a million, sometimes as much as $4 million in one month of new goldbacks going into circulation. And we've gone from one state, just Utah to four states now. 
um, where it's not only legal, not only is it legal tender by state law, but, um, and therefore we have those tax advantages, but we actually have business networks in those states starting to function. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like a snowball, right? It's very small at first, but it's getting bigger exponentially. Um, and so now, right now, um, where we're doing millions and millions of dollars every month, you know what, we're still actually a pretty small snowball. Um, there's probably only about $20 million worth of gold backs in circulation. Um, maybe a little bit more than that now. Uh, maybe as much as 30 million, but it depends on uh, on the calculations. Anyway, that's my estimate. Um, but you know what, even $30 million is a very small part of the overall US economy, right? Um, that's not enough money to circulate uh, all the transactions in yet. Um, but again, you know, if we keep growing at the same rate, we'll, we can double that in a year and then we'll double what we doubled in another year. Um, and so it really is starting to take off, but because we can't print our currency out of thin air, we have to make it out of gold. Um, we can only uh, make it grow as fast as we can manufacture. And we're actually working on that. The manufacturing capacity has been increasing over these past couple of years. And I hope that we can make it grow exponentially over the next few. That would be awesome because again, I'm, I'm more worried about that local supply chain my angle on this is local supply chain and doing business with like-minded people because that's really right. all we got right i yep. i think i think the idea of a quote physical revolution again that's out the window the the i think the best we can do at this point is start thinking in terms of a counterculture where we do business with like-minded people and we get goods and services locally Right. And well, and like you said, it's hard to fix a pro. It's hard for the people who created the problem to fix the problem. We're, we're at the point now where, where we're in this post globalist world almost that the glo globalism came with certain came with certain liabilities, certain dangers, certain problems. Globalism isn't going to get us out of those problems. What we need is stronger communities, strong local communities. And the global system can continue to function. I hope it does in many ways when it comes to having a global supply chain. I, I like being able to have uh, bananas in the grocery store, uh, even though they don't grow here in Utah, um, things like that. But, uh, but it's got to go beyond that. We've got to have strong and robust local economies and when we do that, we actually protect our, our freedoms and we actually help our local communities to thrive um, because local money has a much bigger effect on the local economy because it, it just doesn't get shipped away. It doesn't go to Wall Street. It doesn't go to China. Local, that, that local value stays local. Absolutely. And, and staying local gives... <sighs> I, I yearn for the days that I never saw, Ben, right, where, <laughs> where my grandfather talked about going to the butcher, going to the grocer, going to the local hardware store. I hate going to Home Depot, right? I just hate it. Well, he, well, here's, here's the good news. Uh, since uh, you and I both live in Utah County, Ace Hardware takes gold backs. So Perfect. don't go to Home Depot, go to Ace. <laughs> And paying gold backs. <laughs> Absolutely. Perfect. Okay, so now let's talk about 
folks who who have heard this they're like yeah that's that's my jam that's what i want to get to how do they get a hold of you or or what's the process to get set up in goldbacks so i'm going to send you some links um, so that you guys can find them. The most obvious one, of course, is goldback.com. Lots of info there. Um, but, you know, you can buy goldbacks from any major gold seller anywhere in the world, including online. So there's lots of ways you can get them. Um, if you want to get some additional services, you should probably join the United Precious Metals Association. Um, there's, there's a bunch of benefits to that if you want to be able to do things like uh, digital transactions, right? Um, but yeah, there's a lot of ways you can get involved. And even just on goldback.com, if you've got a business, you can sign up that business. And it says, how do you hear about us? You write, write the Mormon renegade, right? In that line. And then um, tell us about your business. See if you can't become part of the business network. And then, of course, we can support those businesses with things like currency exchange. So that, for example, if they are worried about some bill and they want to turn some of their goldbacks into dollars, we will do that as a service for those businesses. Um, and so that, the, you know, so that they don't ever face any liquidity issues from it. We can also help them with best practices on accounting and all kinds of stuff. Um, so yeah, those are some good ways to get involved. Um, you go to any of your local um, gold dealers and ask them for goldbacks, buy goldbacks from them. Um, that'll, that helps strengthen the whole network too. And so really, I think that the good news is is that I, I want to point something to you. I want to say, um, I want to say to everybody, hey, here's this radical action you can take that's going to change the world. Uh, the good news is you don't actually have to take some radical action. All you've got to do is do what you're already doing, which is spending money and adding value to your community by doing whatever you do. The only difference is, is start doing it in goldbacks instead of dollars. Stop voting. You know, they, they say you vote with your wallet and your, or you vote with your feet. What you participate in is what you're endorsing. If you want to endorse goldbacks, you've got to vote with your wallet and just get some goldbacks in your wallet and spend them and, and accept them at your businesses. And then it grows, right? And so the nice thing is, is you don't actually have to change your, um, your habits um, really much at all. You just have to start spending sound money instead of spending fiat money. And it builds the whole project. And and really, I do think, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, the long term. How do we get out of Babylon? What's Zion going to look like? And how do we get from point A to point B? How do we get from being the servants of Babylon to being a millennial world? Well, it's not all at once. And it's not going to be handed to us on a silver platter. We don't, we don't get given Zion. We have to build Zion. And... We're not just going to be sanctified and be handed Zion on a silver platter. We will become sanctified by working towards Zion, right? And so part of that is just being more honest, having more accountability in our systems, having more real, real money in the way we do our business already. Well, it keeps everyone more honest, frankly. It just, it makes everything more honest and firm. Um, so yeah, just, th that's all you really need to do is just start trying to use these instead. And it makes, it will eventually, I believe, overtake because there are so many advantages to using the goldbacks that sooner or later, people are going to say, why would I want dollars? Um, yeah. In fact, <laughs> I think that now, Ben. <laughs> so yeah, next time someone's going to pay you on a job, tell them, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to be paying me in goldbacks. <laughs> 
I wish um, I had that sort of say. It, on on <laughs> any of those those uh, links you're going to send me, does it give a list of businesses that are already taking gold back? So if people are like, you know what, yeah, I want gold backs, and I want to make sure I'm only doing business with people who have who do business in yep. gold backs. Yep, and there? we're gonna, there is on goldback.com. There is a list, and there's a map, and it's searchable, or you or you can just do it alphabetically, or you can do it bunch of different ways to organize that list in order to look through it and find what you're looking for, find what you want to buy. We're actually getting, we're not quite there in my opinion, but we are actually starting to see the light at the end of this tunnel where we might get to the point where you don't need dollars and you could just do all your business in goldbacks. We don't yet have enough of a diversity of providers of every good and every service you could want that you could do that yet, but we're getting darn close. We're already at the point where I probably spend I don't know. I probably spend half the money I spend. I spend in gold backs, something like that. That's, that's crazy to think it's come that far that fast. Right. Right. I mean, right. And it's, and it's just growing so fast that I think that we may get to the point where, you, you know, you just, just use gold backs. You don't need anything else. <laughs> and that, that that'll be a great be- day if we can get there. Absolutely, that would be because, again, it just seems like it's built for that local community, that local supply chain. And if we can get there, I think I think not only will we feel better about doing it that way, I think we'll be healthier communities. Right. And that's mm-hmm. one thing I think we're all striving for. I think I think we miss we've missed what real capitalism is about. Right. Um, I had a a good friend whose dad was a rabbi and he used to say, if you don't start your business every day with a prayer, you're not really a capitalist. He's like, (laughs) capitalism is given to service. Right. You're providing a good or service for exchange. And and in some ways, I, I feel like we've really lost that with with the big box stores, with buying from overseas. We've just missed the point. And I think that's part of what is happening now is that everything seems just a little hollow. And this seems like just one more way where we can kind of help to restore um, something that's real back to the system. Yeah, it gives it a personal touch. You know, when you're dealing with Amazon, uh, you and Jeff Bezos aren't making friends, you're not serving each other. You're just getting something in exchange for something else. And, and, and even money's become so gamified, you know, it's all, it's on our phones. It's on our bank accounts. It's in our, these little plastic cards we carry around. It's hard to, to even comprehend anymore in the simplistic way that we need to exchange things of real value for other things of real value with people. Right. And that, and that has to mean something to those people because money isn't just numbers. Money is supposed to, those numbers are supposed to represent the real value that we create in the world and that we give to one another. Right. And, 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 and so most people just don't even really comprehend what money really is anymore. I think uh, for that reason, you know, they, they just see it as a numbers game essentially because it's become so impersonal. So theoretical, it's not real. And it is it is a game, right? It, it's absolutely a game. And, and what we used to value in time and in effort just seems like a, I don't know, like a really good game of Candy Crush now, right? Where you're just racking <laughs> right? up points to level up one level. And right. so, and then you can brag to your friends that you have more points than everybody else. 
Um, but what are those points? It's just, yeah, it's all so ephemeral, right? It's, it's not real. Absolutely. Ben, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to touch on? You know, I hope that I gave the uh, the listener a good sense of what a goldback even is. Um, I don't know that we, we kind of jumped into just talking about them as though we didn't really introduce them. Um, clearly, well, I ahead. think. Let's let's go ahead and do that now. Um, but yeah, um, I guess it starts with what the problem is. What is money? Money is some is something real. It has to be have to be something of real value that we exchange for other things of real value. And so when it really comes down to it, money is the good we do in the world. Um, and then we need a way of having money that isn't manipulated. Uh, we touched on that too. Uh, one of the things that's got me worried is like uh, the truckers protests up in Canada. All those truckers had their assets seized extrajudicially. In other words, no judge was involved, no legal process. They just seized their assets without any rule of law. That's terrifying to me um, uh, because that could happen more and more, in which case then what you have isn't money, it's social credit. Um, money has to be something that you can own. That's what your right to property is. Um, and so we were looking at these problems and saying, there's gotta be a solution. And we've got people, um, lots of people out there have been saying for a long time, like Mike Maloney, um, like um, like this uh, Kelsey Williams, is it? Um, that I just listened to on the Mormon Renegade. Yep. And a lot of people saying for a long time, gold is money, gold is money. But gold was never useful as money. It was just too hard to use. So we thought, how can we break it down and make it fungible? Fungible meaning interchangeable. Um, and that's why we invented the gold back. So yeah, um, I guess that really what is the introduction to gold back is the very simple idea that gold is real money and it is now available in a usable form, a more usable form than it's ever been available in the history of mankind. In some ways we're a technology company. We made a technology in gold that's never existed before to be able to verify very small amounts of gold for regular transactions make them actually interchangeable um and so yeah that's so that's what that's what goldbacks are goldbacks are real money in your hand and and there's a, and that matters it, it really matters because all of our human rights all of our dignities all of our our, our laws right if you want to have your rights respected you have to have the tools in place to do that um, this is the one problem, I suppose, with anarchy. You can't have a complete anarchy because then what happens when somebody is taking away your property or is violating you? You need some system, some tool in place to say, no, you can't do that, right? The problem is with our, with our fiat currency, um, there's no check and balance. There's no safety valve. There is no safety net. They just do whatever they please, and we have to hopefully um, go along with it. They're just hoping we'll go along with it. Um, there's accountability in gold. Gold has that, that quality of just being something real that's scarce and objective and measurable. And that's what really makes the best God-given system we've ever had to use as money. 
Um, and now we've just made it available to the masses. You know, you can go in with five or 10 bucks, you can be, be a gold owner and actually use it. Um, so yeah, I guess that's my basic intro to what the Goldback is. And I hope that um, it'll be a tool, it, even if it isn't the final tool, I hope that it'll be a tool that helps us bring a little bit more accountability and honesty to our systems and leads us to higher principles, higher values, so that we can bring about Zion. You know, uh, I think that uh, some people think that in Zion, maybe there won't be any money because we won't need money. I don't think that's the case. I think we'll still need money. Um, we'll still need a way of measuring things and valuing things. It'd be like saying in Zion, we won't need the metric system or pounds or ounces or inches, right? Um, it'd be like saying we didn't need measurements. Money, you need money just at least as a measurement in order to figure out what you've got and how to, how to administer those stewardships responsibly, right? We won't have, hopefully we won't have greed in Zion, but we'll still use the tool of money, I think, as a measurement tool so that we can be good stewards over that which the Lord gives us. Um, and I just feel like we've created a form of money that is better than any form of money that's ever been invented before. It gives us a way to, to, to value things. If I give you a price in goldbacks, say seven goldbacks, this thing costs seven goldbacks. It's going to be a more stable measure of that value than anything that's ever been invented in the history of mankind. Because it's stable, it's real, and it doesn't change the way that other currency systems have often changed. Dude, I think you're 100% correct. Because, again, I go back to the, to the whole Tower of Babel thing, and I think there's a lot of things you can take away from that story, right? Yeah. One of them is, is uh, it, it was interesting to me that, that one of the things the Lord said when he was uh, getting ready to, to scatter the people there and, and confuse their language is he says, they have become one and nothing is kept from them. And I thought that was so strange because one of the things we strive for is unity it's, as a people. Right, right? is to become one, right? <laughs> but I think they were unified around incorrect principles. And, and that same rabbi I told you about, he uh -huh. told me, he said, according to, to oral tradition, that was the first time mankind ever tried communism. Interesting. They were one, right? And if you if if you followed what what Marx's idea was, now obviously the Tower of Babel was before Marx, but really there's nothing new under the sun, Ben. Right. That was the <laughs> first time that that a communist type system was instituted, and the Lord found it so displeasing that even in their unity, he's like, "No, this isn't going to stand." And so now we we see it once again creeping its head up. Only this time we have a currency that's not grounded to anything, and we can build that currency tower to infinity, and it won't mean anything. But I right, have a strange it's because feeling. It's not built on the right principles. It, it, right. It, and literally, because it's the fiat currency, it has no foundation. Right, Absolutely. The dollar is not based on anything. It's, it's a floating building in the air, like, uh, like what Nephi and Lehi saw in the vision, right? When they saw that the world was like a great and spacious building with no foundation floating in the air. And see, I that's, always that's thought that exactly was exactly what our economy but, is. Right. I always thought that was City Creek, but I, I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> anyway. Nice. Anyway. I, I yeah, I think we've just built this system that is just so tall now that it's it's gonna come down, right? 
The other thing is, and the law great the will be the fall thereof, according to the scriptures. Yep. yep. And and yeah, the the laws of economy are a lot like the laws of physics. At some point, they're going to be obeyed, right? It's just how long can you stall it out before it comes crashing back down? And I, I right. think. I think if we don't diversify a little bit, and and that's the other thing, right? We all feel it, especially, you know, traditional LDS folks or Mormon fundamentalists. We know something wicked this way comes with the economy, and we have some time yet. I'm not sure how much, but why not start getting diversified and start building those networks now? Exactly. And besides, all we're really talking about doing is growing more of our own food, supporting each other a little bit better. Um, and having something of real value against any hard times that may come. And it doesn't necessarily take the actual apocalypse of John. It doesn't necessarily have to take um, a collapse of the dollar system to start doing something better when you can. Right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You don't have, yeah. You, why wait until you have cancer to quit smoking? Exactly. You might as well do something a little healthy today. Um, it doesn't mean you have to give up ice cream today. Um, uh, you know what I mean? You can do, you can just also remind yourself that you should eat your veggies, right? Um, one doesn't necessarily preclude the other. And so, you know, I, I, I really have a great deal of hope that this is the beginning of something very big, very, very big, um, that could really, really save us in these times of crisis. And so why not band together a little bit more, a little bit better and, um, you know, and, and, and get that mutual support. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Like I said uh, at the very beginning of this podcast, there was when you described it to me, I knew there was something to it, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And as time goes on, it seems to crystallize and get more clear as to how this can be a benefit to us as a people. So, Ben, first, man, thanks for what you do with with that, because, again, I feel like it's super important. And while I don't have everything down on how it fits there is something to it and and there is something of value there um and then next and it's it's a continuing tradition in fact here's a fun little tidbit of history for me to end on in the earliest days of deseret the deseret assay house i think they called it essentially the earliest form of money in deseret when they were trying to establish the united order out here um in the deserts And before the United States government was even really on the horizon completely as far as having any jurisdiction over the what was essentially, I believe, the sovereign nation of Deseret uh, de facto, even if it wasn't internationally recognized as such, um, was that they decided they needed to put together some money. And so they created what's now known as the Mormon gold, Mormon gold coins. And on those Mormon gold coins, they put the inscription, holiness to the Lord. And eventually, they, and later on, they even put the inscription Holiness of the Lord in the desert alphabet on those, on, those, um, on, those, on those coins with a lion for the strong lion of the tribe of Judah, uh, which is often, usually interpreted as meaning the Christ. Um, and so those, those old coins are part of an important tradition. Well, goldbacks are kind of a, a revival or a continuation of that tradition of Mormon gold. And if you look at the 50 Utah goldback, you will see that there's a lion and a lamb at Liberty's feet for the lion shall lay down with the lamb, right? But off to the side by the lion, there's a stone. And engraved in that stone in the picture is an inscription in the desert alphabet. 
and it says holiness to the Lord. So that's something for you. Yeah, that's awesome. That's like coming <laughs> full full circle again. So that's awesome. Well, and that's on the so that's on the Utah fifty design. So that's awesome. All right. Well, Ben, that was awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on again. Yeah, thank you. And uh, you know, we're gonna have to actually talk about uh, religion and theology sometime. <laughs> I know, I know, right? And, dude, I feel like we're just in this weird Mormon, this weird fundamentalist Mormon moment. Like, I was just watching on Netflix. Now the 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 new pot shots we're getting is about Chad and Lori Daybell, right? So now, oh yeah, that's just one, so sad. It's sad, and that's one more thing that I feel like we have to address, right? We have to get the full story mm-hmm. on it, and then we have to talk about it. and Right, and, and that's why take... you're probably going to have to link to my other uh, episode here on the Mormon Renegade because I was talking about violence in communities and how yep. how dangerous it is and how, and how invisible it is. Nobody yeah. thought when Chad Daybell was, you know, a – allotted applauded um deseret book author vetted by the church that 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 he was actually a serial killer you know nobody thought that Lori vallow was a serial killer they thought that they were normal good latter-day saints you got to keep your eye out sometimes it's not the person you expect and when you see dangerous warning signs you man you got to speak up because you might be the only one who ever saw it because everybody else thinks everything's fine you know i saw that uh Lori vallow had her own podcast and i'm like now i'm gonna have to defend my podcast right <laughs> oh no a, Mor- a mormon with a podcast does not equate serial killer does so. not equate serial killer there's lots of good people with podcasts and we're not crazy <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> but anyway dude <laughs> i love you and i always appreciate talking to you yeah it's been a pleasure thank you for having me on you bet buddy bye everybody 